Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here Morning Show. Take it away, you two. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's uh, only Jim this morning. Uh, Michelle and I are in two different states. I'm uh, visiting family back in Oklahoma, and Michelle's back in Florida with a friend. And uh, so we're going to talk about some business matters this morning. Boy, over the uh, last few days, we had some interesting dialogue on the uh, BHPH Success Group about inventory turn rates and some of the, uh, I'll call it confusion around that and uh, maybe the possibilities around inventory turn rate. And this is an area that is uh, of particular interest to me because um, not very many of you probably know that I was in the retail and sporting goods business, even I uh, was a partner in a pawn shop when I was 24 years old. So my early career of entrepreneurship uh, really, you know, predated the car business. And so a lot of what I know about inventory turn, you know, I learned back in those retail days and of course, carried that into my franchise uh, experience, which is just a couple of years. And I was a salesperson and later a sales manager and had, uh, you know, limited uh, influence over the rate at which inventory turned. But when I stepped into, um, you know, consulting in 2000, first of all, I stepped into buy here, pay here in 97, and then stepped into uh, consulting in 2000. And so from that time, you know, I've been looking at numbers from dealers all over the country and of course been visiting dealers uh, in lots of places. And you have a chance to observe things when you do that. And, you know, I certainly see rate of inventory return varying a lot. And I wanted to dig into the subject today, partly because, you know, I, I need to give a long answer probably to a couple of the dealers in the group. And I, I promised um, uh, an answer to Gregory Gavon. I hope I'm saying your name right in uh, Michigan. So I wanted to actually have a chance to talk about uh, your question. And it's an opportunity because we've always got dealers that are, you know, Michelle and I specialize in launch packages, starting dealers that are brand new. And we were always working with new dealers and trying to help them better visualize uh, this matter of rate of inventory turn. How fast can I expect my inventory to turn and buy here, pay here? And that becomes even more true when people are coming out of the franchise space or independent retail because they have a certain expectation around rate of inventory turn. And we just are different or we can be different and buy here, pay here if we will take advantage of the differences. So, you know, one of the most fundamental things for me that's different in buy here, pay here has a lot to do with selection and kind of the situation our customers are in when they come shopping. You know, it's not like we're dealing with a customer who's got a high credit score and high income and they're definitely looking for something with sunroof and leather or a certain engine or they're waiting for a certain color. You know, the, the customers that we finance and buy here pay are obviously they're, they're not as inventory focused, right? We, and we can spend the entire session today talking about just how inventory might uh, vary and how the sales process might vary and, and maybe customer expectations. I mean, some of those things are not exactly knowable. I mean, we can, we can try to, uh, you know, analyze some of that, but the reality is we, we can generally say that customers who are shopping and buy here, pay here are shopping financing more so than a car and they need help with financing 
uh, because frankly, they're going to need our help with financing in order to make that purchase. Now, look, I say those things, I hear that coming out of my mouth and I recognize that some of you in larger markets, you are in a very competitive market. It does become about um, cars and, and the customer has more, you know, maybe options in terms of where they buy. But I will say that more often, I probably, as much as I see that, I see dealers that are making it about inventory when the consumer is not. Okay. So, you know, I want to be careful about the way I say that because I don't mean to sound like it's an indictment of anybody. It's just that sometimes, you know, we kind of create this large inventory thinking the customer needs selection. And it's been my experience that often a larger inventory can complicate the sales process. We, we give the customer more options. It sometimes makes it more difficult. Or, you know, especially new salespeople to navigate the sales process and help, uh, you know, to get, um, to get landed on the right car. So if we think about a real simple sales process, smaller inventory, and by the way, I think we'd all agree a smaller inventory is easier to manage, you know, so, you know, and some of us are running small inventory now because of demands, of, you know, high cost of cars and we can't find enough. So we're kind of forced into that. It wasn't necessarily by choice, but either way, I would say smaller inventory is typically going to be easier to manage. And so if we've got the right selection within that inventory and our customers being attracted based on financing and they need some help with financing, they like us and like doing business with us, then probably they could find a car within our inventory that would meet their needs. And that's really a key fundamental thing that we have to talk about when it comes to the rate at which inventory turns in buy here, pay here, because man, we've just got um, a ton of, you know, things that are different about what we do. And there's tons of factors that affect the pace at which we turn our inventory and that just means, in fact, I made a list. We can go through it here at some point, but I just made a list of all the things that might affect the pace at which we turn inventory and buy here, pay here. And so there's, there's lots of considerations there. And I also dug out some numbers and I'm going to refer to them. I decided in this morning show not to actually try to share them on the screen, but I'm going to refer to them as we talk this morning because I want to give you some very specific numbers. And it's one of the things I want to challenge you know, really, I want to challenge our entire industry, but I certainly want to challenge our buy here, pay here success group and, and all those places where we have conversations around numbers. I want to challenge everybody to get as specific as we possibly can. You know, many years ago, I was a member in a 20 group and um, I remember one of the dealers uh, saying, you know, kind of at a lunch or whatever, he said, uh, you know, these 20 groups, they're just uh, liars clubs, right? And uh, I remember, you know, I remember what he meant. It was kind of the thought process there, but I remember thinking, well, I'm not fudging my numbers, but I, I hear you. Some people are probably inclined to fudge their numbers to make themselves look better and not be embarrassed in the meeting room. But, but, and, and, and frankly, that's not also an attack on 20 groups or the process. They're getting better. They're shifting more to direct sourcing of the data, uh, at least from the DMS and hopefully from the um, accounting side as well. But it used to be that, you know, mostly we submitted our own numbers, you know, jump on a website and push the numbers in. And, and um, so there was there was that. And, and that just means that we, we we need to get very specific and make sure our numbers are comparative. 
this has always been a frustration for me. Like when I go to the conferences, I've been to the same conference as you guys have for the last 20 years. And sometimes, you know, people up there talking and, and giving tips and ideas and numbers and, but they don't give the calculations behind their numbers and they don't give the total, you know, scope of the numbers. And so I sometimes get a little concerned that dealers are out there making business choices based on maybe something they heard at a conference without getting the whole story, without getting all the numbers behind, you know, what we're talking about. So for this morning, again, I wanted to just be able to refer directly to some of the numbers that, that I've got, uh, especially as it relates to inventory turn. Now, what I'm going to do this morning is point to an example of one dealer. Okay. This is a dealer that I have done data for, for we've done both weekly and monthly numbers for more than six years. Okay. Now I won't say who the dealer is. I will, will say they're in the Eastern half of the country, uh, but because I'm going to give you very specific numbers. And, and by the way, when this is over, I'll take these actual numbers in the spreadsheet and I'm going to go ahead and just record just as soon as we wrap up here, I'm going to uh, create a, a video so I can do a screen share and take you through the actual spreadsheet that I'm referring to this morning, because I just think it's that important that we see numbers that you can see the source numbers behind what I'm talking about and and get a better feel for what's possible now again this is just one dealer and there's a lot of things to understand about their operation but i will tell you that one of the questions that came up in the discussion on facebook was what about titles you know how do you stay out of uh, compliance problems if you're turning cars without a title what i can tell you about this particular dealer is they're they're you know high integrity like we don't have a problem with this particular dealer in that regard and I'll also share with you about this dealer that they come from, you know, a finance background, not necessarily a car background. And so this, and they've been open about 10 years and have a good sized business. Uh, so let me just take you some actual numbers. So we started doing sales and inventory numbers for this particular client two months short of five years ago. So it was that 58 months of data that I'm going to be referring to here as I talk about these things. So two sales locations, small inventory, got a distribution slash recon center in kind of the hub of their business, but they've always had two small locations since I've known them and they turn inventory at a, at a really good clip. And again, they're, they're not, they're, they're holding titles or they're holding cars until titles are available. Okay. So, so what you've got then is one location across, again, 58 months worth of data, they average, this is a number from the close of each month, they average at the close of the month, 13 units on the lot at location number one. Location number two averages 16 units on the lot. Again, average across 58 months. Now, the recon center averages 111 cars in the center. Now, that will be trades, repos, incoming you know, cars in the conditioning pipeline. So that's everything. But uh, I'll just go ahead and jump to, because I know you're dying to know what their, their sales rate is. So you're talking about an inventory size of, you know, 29 cars at the close of the month on average between the two sales locations. Now that's on the ground again. And they average 92 sales a month or have across these uh, 58 months. Now they had a dip in COVID like uh, most dealers did. Uh, but that was the first time, frankly, that I had seen them and all the time I've known them that their inventory or sorry, that their pace of sales had any kind of real change. They were very consistently in the 85 to 105 sales a month range. And just this is strictly buy here, pay here. 
they do, I've got it here. So some of you will ask, um, they do virtually no retail cash business. They average, let me find it. Oh, outside finance. They average two outside finance deals a month across those uh, almost five years. So it's it's really, you know, you can nearly say 100% buy here, pay here. But this is um, kind of the, the information I wanted to be able to refer to is, you know, when you think about a dealer that's just putting on the lot, and by the way, when we measure these things, there's, there's different ways to measure it. I just would make sure that whatever, when we're talking to people, let's make sure exactly how they're measuring, whatever numbers they're giving us. And I would just say, let's all do a better job when we share numbers. Let's, let's express exactly how we're calculating whatever numbers we're throwing out there. So in this case, I'm going to take you inside, you know, typically I think certainly from an accounting standpoint, if you've got people looking kind of more from accounting or overall operational standpoint, I think they would look at total dollars of inventory compared to total cost of sales. So I'm going to give you that number. If you look at that number, um, in terms of all, all dollars, um, where I can see my screen better then the turn per month for that dealer. Again, this is total cost of sold with reconditioning compared to total cost of inventory on hand at the start of the month. Okay. So now you're talking about, and, and this dealer last month, that turn rate was, and this is, you know, I'm recording this in uh, April, 2022 is when we're talking about this, I'm sorry, May of 2022. And I'm looking at April data and they turned 0.8. So I'll just give you the exact numbers. They had total cost of sold, all, all units, wholesale, everything of 783. Their total cost on hand was 606. So that's where you come up with the 0.8. And then, um, but across the um, 58 months, that average was 1.2 turns per month. So about 12 turns a year. So we might choose to think about that because, you know, what is inventory? It's an asset. We got dollars tied up in that asset. We all want to be as efficient with our assets as possible. So we might start there and just look at that number and say, total dollars. How well are we turning through all of our inventory? You know, we got we got dollars tied up in that. And by the way, I want to jump in and somebody can answer the question maybe in the uh, in the thread here. Um, and, and I don't know that we've got that many people on here live, but so many will see the recording. But if you know, in, in of those of you who are sitting in, is it still possible? Uh, you know, when I was uh, last buying, we were able to go to the auction. If I bought eight cars on a given Tuesday, I could write eight paper checks and they would not drop the check until the title was available. Now, you know, when you, and of course on today's floor plan, most recently I've seen with floor plans that they will, they will hit you for floor plan right away. They will charge your floor plan on day one, even though you might have to wait, you know, 20, 30 days for the title, you start paying on your floor plan right away. So that just means, you know, that's tough on us, right? We, we got the money, we're already spending the money to have the possession of the car, but we shouldn't yet sell it without possession of the top idle uh, without certainly some complications. And uh, so that means that, uh, you know, I just, I want to understand. So answer for me, can we still do that? Can we still write paper checks and have them not drop the, the, uh, you tell me at your auction, are you able to do that? Is anybody doing that? Uh, because that obviously helps us to not actually have cash tied up in the car until the title is available, which is, was always the best scenario for me and the uh, businesses I owned or, or managed. So now let's look at some other numbers here. Um, let's look at, units instead of dollars 
samplers of all units. If I look at that number on that basis, that number last month, by the way, in units was also a 0.8 turn rate. And the average across the 58 months is 1.1. Okay. So again, I'm going to share all this. You can find the, I'll just put the YouTube link in the uh, uh, comments for this morning's broadcast. So you can find it there and I'll take you through this actual spreadsheet and some of the graphs that we do around that. But mostly I just wanted to have a chance to, you know, get as specific as possible when we talk about rate of inventory turn, because it just, it's, it's important for us to, you know, we're out there educating and talking to other dealers and, and we're trying to obviously help folks to, uh, you know, be as successful with their operation as they can be. And I think one of the keys to getting there is just, you know, being specific, being transparent and, um, and giving people real information so they can make their own business decisions. And, and certainly in buy here, pay here, we don't all choose the same business path. And some of the things I wrote down here in terms of, you know, things that might affect our, our rate of inventory turn, some of those things are business choices. Um, you know, I'll, I always share the story about, and if anybody knows a guy named Joe Troja, I haven't spoken to him in years, but I believe his name is spelled T-R-O-J-A. But if we know him, uh, I would be interested in, in uh, you know, saying hello to him again, because I've shared over the 20 plus years ago since I met him, I've shared a story about a conversation I had with him standing on his lot in uh, Joliet, Illinois, uh, you know, as a young consultant. And I, I just popped in to say hello and knew he was one of our clients back then on, on a data program. And so I said, you know, Joe, I think I could help you increase your, your sales volume. And he said to me, uh, Jim, I believe you probably could do that. But he said, I sell 25 cars a month and I don't want to sell 26. And uh, so, I, you know, this is what I mean about business strategies. Like, you know, everybody's got their own business strategy. In his case, he obviously settled in at that volume as it was creating cash, positive cash flow and putting some money in his pocket. And he was right where he wanted to be and no, no desire to, to boost his sales volume or increase his inventory turn rate. So, you know, at the end of the day, we got we to gotta want to increase our inventory turn rate if that's really the strategy strategy. But let me kind of finish out these numbers and I'll take you to that list of things that occurred to me that we could, um, you know, we could look at that might affect the rate at which we turn inventory. But the, if I look at just available inventory, because I urge dealers to look at that, uh, because even though it's not as telling as our total assets and all the money we got tied up in inventory, it is telling in terms of how fresh our inventory is which is going to also measure how effective our pipeline is, how quickly the inventory is turning through. It will also, and, and these things affect attitude and morale, you know, at the sales lot, but really I'm just looking at how, how quickly is our pipeline moving? Because in order for us to open the lot each month with an average of 29 cars and consistently or average out uh, financing 92 customers a month, that means we're filling open, open holes on the line quickly. I mean, that's just simple to understand. We know we gotta be, we, we're, we're selling cars, we're replacing them. If we're, if we're selling, in his case, more than an average of 20 a week, we gotta be filling the holes with 20 a week because they're very consistently closing a lot in that same inventory level that I'm talking about. So when I look at the rate at which inventory turns on, on the retail side, available, if we just look at cars marked available, at the beginning of the month, this dealer averaged, um, like I said, around around 30 a month delivering 92. And so that turn rate, um, comes out to, let me make sure I got the right average here. I'm just going to run it right here on the screen. 
And I also, by the way, when we look at this, we typically look at a four-month rolling average, all right? So this particular dealer, when you look at, getting all the way out there, this is going back to 2017. So when I look across all of those months, that average is 3.6 turns on the retail inventory per month. So now multiply that times 12. And in my mind, you've got a very successful, very efficient process. Why do I like that? Because inventory is fresh. Well, what does fresh inventory do for us? It, it, it kind of, you know, puts a little pep in the step of the, of the, you know, I call them the finance team, not the sales department, but the finance department, those folks are excited about fresh inventory. When they're excited, they can typically get the customers more excited. You know who else is often excited about fresh inventory is the dealer. They get a little frustrated about stagnant inventory. And so I think by just having that, the reason I like to create that environment is because it also, when inventory is moving quickly and the dealership like this, this example, when they're moving through, you know, 10 vehicles per um, week per location, then, you know, they can see that, gosh, if I see something I like, I was in here last Tuesday and saw something, now it's gone. I guess if I see something I like today, I better grab it. So it's just simple, you know, buying frenzy. We're just trying to create that environment where, you know, we, we get things moving. And so that's really what I'm encouraging all of my clients to do is do the best they can to create that environment. So now to this list, let's talk about things that I can think of, you know, with our experience in travels that could affect the rate at which we turn inventory. So starting just from the inventory side, just looking at inventory out on the lot, you know, merchandising would be one thing. What's the condition of our inventory? Because obviously if it's aging and it's become stagnant, key tags look raggedy, stickers look raggedy, it's dusty. I mean, what does that tell our customers? Then we look at things like, you know, pre-advertising, all the things that we do in the pre-sales process, pre-advertising um, that position us, you know, to, to create business. So, you know, there's a number of things that fit in that category, but there's also just budget for advertising, right? We talk to dealers that spend tens of thousands of dollars a month in advertising. Most of the dealers that I talk to don't have that kind of budget. So, you know, can they expect to create the same sales volume? Well, you know, the, the big kind of underlying part of this is even if they had the budget to create that volume of sales and get their inventory fresh and turn it over like that, would they have the access to capital? So that's something else that we always have to think about. You know, when the question came out uh, about, you know, what, what kind of sales volume should I anticipate, you know, per person on an inventory size? Well, to me, that would be mostly driven by access to capital because it's, it's not a question of size of the inventory at the start of a month or average inventory. It's how quickly can you replace it? How, how much buy your pay your volume are you prepared to do? Or are you like, uh, you know, the dealer Joe in Illinois who is where, where they want to be. So, you know, we could, we could keep the, we could make the stickers nice and the key tags all fresh, but if that's all the sales we're prepared to do and that's all the advertising we're prepared to do, then, then there's probably not going to be a lot we can do to impact sales volume. So this is one of the key things. It's, it's business model, this business practice. What do we want to do? And what are we prepared to do? But if we're prepared to do more and we're not getting our inventory fresh, then I want to just kind of have a chance today to take us through some of the things that would potentially impact, you know, the, our ability to turn volume. So let's talk about 
the condition of the cars, like I said, on the lot, how quickly can we handle our conditioning? How effective is our reconditioning? Are we measuring, you know, customer success with test drives? Uh, you know, are we, are we getting, are people turning away because they didn't like the condition of the car? Maybe they didn't tell us at the time that that's why they're leaving, but, but in reality, they weren't con uh, satisfied with the condition of the inventory that we have out there and, uh, and what we offered them, um, you know, at a certain down payment or price, whatever. So, so that's another thing, pricing practices, the actual selling price, you know, how you do that. We could obviously spend another entire, you know, um, conversation on that alone. And then down payment pricing strategy. How do we, how do we ask customers for down payment and how is that affecting the rate at which we turn inventory? You know, I've said to dealers over the years that I often think about down payment in by your payers, kind of like the knob on a, or the big wheel on a, on a ship. You know, if you're going to turn your sales volume, typically down payment is where you would start turning that knob. If we, I think most of us understand if we reduce down payment, we're probably going to increase sales. And, uh, you know, certainly more people can gain access to the financing when we reduce the down payment. If we start running the down payments up, we can certainly stunt sales. And, and I've known of dealers to, to do that, to manage their, their pace of sales, you know, to, to actually start to increase down payments in order to kind of slow the sales volume because of capital consumption. So, you know, these are all things that can affect the rate at which we move inventory. What about our, our team? How, what's their attitude and the morale? You know, maybe that's affected by the, uh, how stagnant our inventory is. What's their training level? And how consistent are we on our sales process? You know, this is certainly something that we look at pretty heavily because we like to see a very consistent sales process because all these other things we have to look at and making a judgment about our closing ratios and those kind of things. You really have to start from a place of having a consistent sales process in order to be able to sort of scratch that off the list, eliminate that as a possibility. And, uh, and that, that takes some effort. You got to really be consistent in the way that you do things so that you can look elsewhere when uh, sales take a turn. And then, you know, a big one for me from a management standpoint is what is our aging policy? If I just assume that you've got access to funds, you can hold cars in the pipeline, you can replace the car cars as you sell. And if you had a chance to triple your buy your payer volume next month, you could do that. Then one of the things I would look at in terms of freshness and how to create that environment would be aging policy. So, you know, I've had this happen. I did it in my own dealership and I've, I've been involved with others where I had full management authority and, you know, for, for all practical purposes owned uh, the, the business. And we had one dealership in particular that always comes to mind on this, where we actually um, did a complete overhaul of the business relocated, name changed. It was mostly about just a bad reputation. And so we renamed it, reworked it, cleaned it up and, and kind of lit a fire on the, the inventory side. And the way we did that was through policy. You know, the, the way I did that was by creating a policy where, you know, cars had a, we had a very specific practice. Cars reached 30 days that triggered something. Car reached 45 days, it triggered something else. 60 days, we took a different, more aggressive action. And at 92 days, we didn't own the car. So have you think about that. So many of us, and of course I get it. Right now, inventory is very difficult. But, you know, when we say we have to pay a high price for a car, it also means we should be able to liquidate at a high price. So, you know, should it really be affecting this policy that we have around keeping inventory, um, you know, 
it's um, we hope it's improving. And, and look, we get it. You guys are out there making those decisions all the time. But I'm simply saying, if we have a hard and fast policy and we enforce it, then that alone can begin to get inventory fresh. And that can affect all these things that we've been talking about in terms of how we, you know, create that environment where inventory is fresh, attitudes are improved, uh, customers are acting faster. You know, all these kind of things can can be a, a factor in, in all that. So again, it has a lot to do with appetite for growth. It's it's access to capital. You know, dealers will talk about, and I've heard this in entrepreneurship outside of buy here payer. But the reality is, when you say, "I don't have the bandwidth." to create more sales. Well, okay, so what do you mean by bandwidth? You don't have the inventory to create more sales. You don't have the, the staffing to create more sales. Those things are a function of capital. So, and, and that's not just true in buy your payer. You can create more bandwidth with more capital. Uh, you know, you can hire more people and let's, I know I say that and you, everybody's having a struggle hiring good people, but if you have enough capital, you can pay them what you have to pay them to get people. Right. So it's really it becomes more a question of of capital. So I know this is a really wide, long explanation, uh, you know, when it comes to these uh, questions at hand. But it's it's a subject that, you know, is, is something we all. All need to make sure we we grasp it, that we know what's possible in terms of inventory turn rate, because we're all out there making judgments, uh, you know, about how we want to grow and what we want to do with our buy here, pay here business. So. And then, like I say, for me, I'm just going to be as transparent with numbers as I possibly can. I'm going to ask as many of you to join me in that as you possibly can, because I think that's how we get better. When we can all see the real stuff, then you can make a decision. You know, dealer one may not make the same decision based on that data that dealer two will, but at least they've got real data, real information to make a judgment on. So again, I, um, I'll wrap it up there. I think uh, what we'd like to do is uh, as soon as I wrap, I'll go ahead and produce um, that uh, video that can go to YouTube and I'll, I'll add the link um, today. Shouldn't take but an hour or so have uh, as long as it gets published to the, to YouTube, we'll get it uh, shared today and you'll be able to refer to that, you know, as an add on to this conversation. But yeah, we uh, certainly hope you um, enjoy and value what we're talking about. We're probably going to carry this in a way into uh, uh the, the conversations for the rest of the week. And for those of you that are uh, on, on the line live, I would ask you to just, um, you know, throw your comments in there or message me in between sessions. If you, um, if you have something to add to this conversation, I'd love to have you on the show. So let's talk about that. If you have, uh, you know, experience with this and you, and you're prepared to be transparent about whatever numbers we're going to talk about, then I would, uh, I would welcome you to join me on the show and we can, we can talk about it further because we certainly want to, uh, bring dealers and, and very real conversations to this show. And I hope you're enjoying the show. Please, um, you know, add your comments. We're uh, still obviously new with this and we want to uh, uh, gauge the uh, level of interest. And we're going to obviously try to gauge whether uh, three days a week um, makes sense. Uh, we know you're busy on a Monday and, uh, and we know some of you are uh, maybe starting late. I hope you were able to get out and see that uh, blood moon, that uh, lunar eclipse last night. I was, I was able to see it from the backyard here with family in Oklahoma. It was fantastic. So, you know, so uh, maybe uh, you get a little later start and Mondays are always Mondays. So we don't necessarily expect a lot of you to be on with us live on a Monday morning, but for those of you who catch the broadcast, please, if you have something to add, throw it in the comments there. Uh, once this thing posts in the group and then, uh, 
like I say, if you, uh, if you would like to be on the show, reach out to me and uh, we'll be happy to talk about uh, adding you to the conversation. So again, thanks for tuning in. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there and uh, look uh, for everybody to have a, an excellent week. And uh, by all means, reach out if I can help in any way.